Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisley Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Welcome to another episode of the Wretched Hive Podcast. Our Saturday review of WandaVision. This week we're talking about Season 1, Episode 9, titled The Series Finale. I don't know whether it really is the series finale, but it's titled The Season Finale. Originally aired March 5th. 2021. I am Steve Baldwin, and joining me today, we've got the whole crew. Greg, Scott, Dave, Nico, and the sixth Hyvian joining for the very first time on the Wretched Hive podcast, Mr. Chris Evans. Guys, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Good morning. Glad you put the shield down today to join us for the show, sir. It's very nice. You know, quiet teacher by day, you know, superhero by night. I've got a lot going on here, but I am so happy to be here. Well, guys, this was an exciting episode of WandaVision. We're going to jump right in here. And uh, we start off picking up from the end of the last episode. Not a blip in the action at all. We just pick up right where we left off with Wanda facing off with Agatha, who has the kids in her uh, magic sort of rope around their necks. She yanks them back. Wanda blasts Agatha. Right away, we know this episode is going to be full of fireworks. One action. could also say that Agatha was choking the children, and I don't mean that as a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the, the, the bit I love here is uh, when Wanda blasts Agatha, and she's on her back, and she sort of levitates back up from the ground. Uh, I, I love that. Did you guys catch that in the background? Yeah. Yeah. So like Nosferatu is what they were going with, I think. Right, the vampire that comes up and stands up. Uh, like a perfect, perfect planking board just popped up. Yeah. yeah, lots of the old timey movie monster, you know, classic villain references. There was that. There's the Wizard of Oz reference that comes later. There's lots of things going on there. Yeah, for me, what it also reminded me strangely of is <laughs> I jumped to the nun in the Blues Brothers, where she like floats back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's sort of, you don't expect her to have these like supernatural powers, but they're a, there. That is the classic movie. So you're fair in saying that, Steve. Agatha, Agatha quips here. I take power from the undeserving. It's kind of my thing. So uh, first question of the week for comic book nerds. Is that true to Agatha's character in the comics as well? Is that how she got her powers, Dave, in the comics? Not to my recollection. No, Agatha Harkness is much older, more established witch who is, she serves as a nanny to uh, Franklin Richards, the eldest son of Reed and Sue Richards of the Fantastic Four initially, and then she becomes known as a mentor to the Scarlet Witch. But she's never been an out-and-out villain. She's just kind of been a enigmatic character. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Just like Dave said, I was going to say, never the mustachio twirling villain, if you will. (laughs) Um, More of a character kind of in the gray area, and really for the most part, on the side of the heroes. So this is, a, this is a real departure from the comic book universe here. Yeah. Hmm. Although at the end, I think, and we'll get to this, obviously, there's a nod to Wanda saying, oh, if I need you, I know right where to find you. Uh, yeah, so maybe, maybe she will be a mentor. Maybe she will know where to find her. Maybe she won't. I have a thought on that when we get to it. Okay. 
Agatha says, clearly you're in over your little red head. Why don't you give your power to someone who knows what to do with it? She offers to allow Wanda to keep her pathetic little corner of the world. Wanda throws the car. The car hits Agatha. And in the background, as as Wanda is looking at the car, in, in the reflection in the glass, we see the white vision float down so in the sky. So we're going to need a judge's ruling from Greg. Uh, white vision, albino vision, <laughs> or honky vision? I, I've, I've put some serious thought into this, guys. And the correct answer, the correct answer is simply vision. Huh? <laughs> nice. Uh, else, because this is the actual vision. The vision that has appeared on this TV show is, is the... WandaVision, if you will, entirely made up of Wanda's memories and the piece of the Mind Stone. So right. the, the, what they've been calling elsewhere the spectral vision is actually vision, guys. Okay, Here, okay. who, who had Greg actually answering seriously on that one? Because I, I thought he was oh, going to go full, full honky vision on that one, but all right. But, but Dave, yeah. let me ask real quick. Isn't he called spectral vision at one point in the comic? I thought he was called Anti-Vision at Anti-Vision. one point in the comic, okay. but I could be misremembering. All right. All right. So the, pur- the purposes of our show, what are we calling the vision that's bleached? Uh, to Scott's point, honky vision a moment ago um, versus the, the, the full color version. What are we going to refer them to as? <laughs> I, mean, I, think, I think the vision. Aren't they both vision? Nobody has they... an opinion on this. I white, white, vision, white vision and fake vision. This is a real ship of Theseus discussion we're going to have here, guys. <laughs> kind of damn it. Let's fast forward. Um, white vision is, you we know, get some hot sort vision, of mas- vision action. Sort of masquerading uh, in, uh, for a moment uh, to Wanda and picks her up, squeezes her head, and the fake vision, I think we're calling him, comes in to save the day. There's Pseudo a great moment. Pseudo vision, that's good. The, there's a moment where Wanda says, Vision, this is our home. And he turns and says, let's fight for it. That's that's a great little line. And I, I think it, again, goes to Wanda is sort of, has created this, 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 this version of Vision who is now going to fight for her. And a, a great fight it is. But before we get there, we flash to Monica Rambo, who is being watched by Pietro. Is this Pietro? This is fake Pietro. Obviously, right? Yeah, this is Ralph. This this is the moment I get the most. There is some confusing stuff that happens in here. And and I'm just going to chalk it up to uh, easy or bad writing and um, magic. So let me jump in for a second here. I think this episode feels disappointing on some level because we were all expecting it to be one thing. You know, we were all expecting it to, like, tie all this stuff together and do all these things. We were expecting it to basically be the equivalent of a Grand Slam to win Game 7 of the World Series, <laughs> down by three runs, and it's a loaded count. And and it wasn't that. It was still a World Series win. It's still a great arc, but a lot of things that we've been speculating about, clearly, we were going hog frickin' wild for no reason. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. And we, we all got a little a little caught up in it. I actually found, and again, building off what Dave's saying, we've been waiting for this to build up to some kind of, you know, Thanos level showdown, right? We've been waiting for Mephisto and the Fantastic Four and Reed Richards or Professor X or whoever shows up. I found this opening action sequence to be, to me, the most disappointing because this is not a story about the action sequence, but it's a story about 
Wanda and her grief and the way she's coping with loss. And to me, it's a very, very human story. And I actually found that to be far more compelling. Um, I don't know about you guys. Afterward, I was so excited. I watched the the Winter Soldier, Falcon and Winter Soldier trailer. And I walked away thinking, I'll watch it, but I'm not crazy excited because it feels like that sort of tropey cop movie. I'm waiting for Bucky to say, um, I'm too old for this shit. Right, because it, it's just it's the story we all know, and what I loved about this series was it's not the story I expected, and it, the it, human quality. I mean, to me, Vision is perhaps the most human of all characters we've seen in the MCU, um, and he's it, an android. It, it's also the story we needed. It wound up being, in my opinion, uh, something that resonates more strongly because of the moment it's coming out. Because when you strip this all down, WandaVision is a story about. Uh, grief and trauma and the entire society of the planet is going through a trauma right now with the the pandemic i mean large and small for for varying people but everybody's going through this and once once we hit herd immunity through the vaccine and stuff where the entire world is going to hit a a ptsd moment together and 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 symbolically this show really resonated i think because of that and symbolically not only about the whole pandemic thing is that the show takes place where everyone's trapped inside their bubble, the bubble of Wanda. So I, I, I agree with all that. I, and sorry, Greg, if I totally take you out of context, but you brought up something about uh, the Pietro character. And if this is just a red herring or just something because they wanted to kind of mess with our minds because of the Fox universe and X-Men. It's not just Pietro. They've done this with a lot of things. Now, that's not me being a fanboy wishing every Easter egg was something huge or Mephisto showed up. I'm glad that that didn't happen. I know we're kind of bearing the lead there, or I am, but um, they've done this with a bunch of things. The whole thing with old, you know, old Scratchy, the cat, and um, God, oh, the, the thing that got me the most is, because we will find out who Pietro is here, but the whole thing with um, her just always like, who said it, mustachio villain, talking in, in weird rhymes about her husband Ralph the whole time is Agatha. And I'm just like, there's got to be something big, a payoff with, you don't just say it once. Or you say it once and you get away with it. It was a, a nice little nod to somebody. But she said it like 17 times in this entire series about this dramatic character Ralph. And then it it's like, it's the firework that fizzled out and didn't explode. I felt so let down by that, where the rest of the show was fantastic, but I just feel like they gave us all these red herrings, these buildups, and just didn't deliver. It, it, it's fair, but I will say the kind of the thing that did catch my eye about the whole Fietro thing was that uh, he was kept under the spell by a necklace he was wearing in every scene. And yeah. what does that really say about men's fashion, that he was able to wear the same necklace in the 1980s, 1990s, and 2000s, <laughs> and nobody caught on to it? Yeah. So, yeah. so let me jump in here as a non, uh, as a non comic book uh, guy. Uh, as, I didn't feel that way at all about the show. Guy? I, I, oh no, I wear necklaces every day. Are you kidding me? I've got my gold <laughs> on right now. But um, I, I, it, I was not let down at all, not one bit. The the big reveal for me, if I wasn't doing this every weekend with you guys, the big reveal would have been that oh, she's the red, she's the Scarlet Witch. Um, and, and I, I think that would have been enough. I, I don't feel the letdown that you guys feel because I don't understand who Mephisto is and how cool it would have been if he would, had been on the show. Um, so I think 
from I, I understand you guys are extending your understanding of and applying your understanding of the Marvel comic book universe to this, but as a as a more casual comics fan, I wasn't let down at all. I, I I do want to jump in here and just kind of keep us on track a little bit though, because it turns out that Pietro was an actor named Ralph Boner. Pietro Quicksilver in, in the Fox universe is so cool. I mean, he's that's probably the best thing about those terrible X-Men movies. And here they've reduced him down to not only a dick Ralph joke. Boner, but he's a dude who says, do you like Steven Seagal movies? Right. And he, what a meathead he is. Oh yeah. And he, pretty, he, he that was pretty cool. About his, own, about his own name too. It's like, you like Monica calls him, you're Ralph Boner. And he goes, Boner. <laughs> <laughs> the Beavis and Butthead moment. <laughs> yeah. I, the it. one good thing I pulled away from that is that is another reference to a character from, I think it's growing pains. Um, yes. Kirk Cameron's sidekick or best friend is named Boner in that show. Oh, nice. Nice. That's and, a good And point. that actor, who is Walter Koenig's uh, son or cousin, uh, actually committed suicide a few years ago. Oh, oh man. I didn't know that. Down, Dave. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> but look, Kirk Cameron Dark turned out okay. Break. I just live in it. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> uh, Chris, what, you were uh, jumping in. I said, luckily, Kirk Cameron turned out okay. So so then we, we, we fast forward to more of the uh, sort of prototypical Marvel action with Vision versus Vision battling it out in the sky around around uh, Westview. Two so, seemingly unstoppable beings, which is a lot of fun. So one, I like that you said it was a red herring when the Vision is red, first of all. But two, this was... <laughs> This was the unintentional red herring that Paul Bettany set up by making what he thought was an off, offhand, off-cuff, off-the-cuff joke about, yeah, I'm going to work with an actor I've always wanted to work with. He has some real fireworks. And then he's like, I went on the internet that night, and everybody started speculating on all these things. And I'm like, oh, my God, that would have been so cool. And I'm really just talking about, you know, acting against myself. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, and this sounds like a total cop-out because I didn't share it with anybody, but – I did have a thought watching the episode of, wait, is this how we're going to fit the puzzle back together, right? You have a vision who is the body, and you have another vision who is the soul. Are we going to, you know, have two great tastes that taste great together? And then, like, 45 seconds later, that was what happened. Yeah. 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 Well, there, there's, uh, a, there's a couple Scott, of those. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in real quick, so I'm going to pull a Scott there, because I just want to get some things uh, off my chest here. Because uh, we've had a lot of uh, a talk, and this is another one about the the red herrings of the whole of the entire series. And uh, you know, like Dave is talking about with Paul Bettany and his comment about an actor coming in, and, and you know, we're not the only show guilty of it. Everybody kind of speculated about who was going to be either the big bad or who's going to be the guest stars. Everybody ranging from X Men to Fantastic Four to Doctor Strange to Mephisto to Nightmare, and. The, it was it was running so rampant. Even the director of the show came out and said, "Guys, cool your jets just a little bit. It's going to be just a story here." I mean, literally <laughs> called out that nobody's going to be showing up, you know. And still, people didn't believe him. Um, but in my mind, this is where the series actually works. And I put it in a in a small yes. text with you guys last week. Is this is mm-hmm. where the series actually works? Is because this, like Chris said, is a story about Wanda slash the scarlet witch and we got to see some great character growth out of this character who is from 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 somebody that has really been underserved throughout much of the movies and has appeared as kind of window dressing and now we understand a little bit more about her and i'm super excited 
that Marvel is telling more stories like this. They don't yeah. all revolve around the Avengers getting together. They can revolve around a single character where she is able to settle things on her own without outside help and advance as a character. And this is why the show actually works for me. So that's what I wanted to bring yeah, in. I can't. And, and Great. I'll, I'll, I'll echo that. And just so people don't misconstrue my comments at the front end, I'm not... I, I don't think it was a bad show at all. It just it wound up being something different than what I thought it was going to be. And that's mm-hmm. fine. One. And two, the difference, it's great. It was a fantastic show. And I look forward to going back and binging it now that I, I know what the story is. I can binge it and really watch it for what it is. I'm seeing some definitely some, uh, some parallels to our views on uh, The Last Jedi. Uh, but I, let's not go there. Nico, you had a comment. Did anybody else... Um end up watching the entire series leading up to the finale before they watched the last episode no i was too no, busy no, no time. Um, <laughs> yeah no me neither i don't have time for that shit <laughs> <laughs> definitely you definitely didn't do it while you were at work right Nico? Uh-uh. no Never. Steve, I, right. I hope Never. i hope you don't take this wrong i am not this is not my last jedi by all means this is actually a fantastic show i love this show so i don't know well, that i was last... a, i was actually referring more to dave and okay. greg's take on this that it's not what we expected but it's still oh. really great yeah i my disappointments are those minor little things those are my nitpicks i really did enjoy this it is in fact I didn't even like the cg fights that were happening as much as i do like the moment where Vision has that incredible moment with himself, that really was that great little thing. And then the emotional part that we get to at the very end. So let's not get I, there yet. Let's, yep. we got a lot to cover just, before we get there. I'm just curious, where did um, Honky Vision end up going? Because he like, <laughs> they like did the thing where they touch butts, and then he's like, "I am the Vision," and he fucking disappears, and he's gone. Nico. And then it's like, wait, right. what? Well, well, I, let's, I, let's I, believe, I believe the kids call it docking, is what they call it. Okay, guys. I'm going to steer, steer the Titanic. I'm steering the Titanic back away from the iceberg. Let's get back on track here, guys. Uh, Agatha and Wanda are battling in the streets of Westview. And Agatha says, you don't even know who you are. Did you know there's an entire chapter about you in the Darkhold? So I, uh, I, I, well done, I, guys. In my head, I heard Scott and Greg going, what? <laughs> <laughs> and she calls it the Book of the Damned. Yeah. The Book of yeah. the Damned. Um, yeah, she says, the Scarlet Witch is not born. She's forged. And so, uh, Dave, I think we talked about this a little bit, or you alluded to it uh, last week, that the Scarlet Witch is not a person. It's it's a title. Like the Sorcerer Supreme, yes. Okay. Well, so and actually, she says, you've got more power than the Sor- Sorcerer Supreme. And so, so you guys break this down for me. Who is the Sorcerer Supreme, and why is it... Uh, why is her having more power than that person uh, significant? That's the only tie-in we really get. Well, not really, but that's Doctor Strange. Yeah. Currently, so, currently it's Doctor Strange. It used to be Tilda Swinton. Yeah, it used to be the ancient one. Okay. The bald lady in the dope monk robes. I see. So, if you so Dave, Dave, real quick, this kind of cancels. I know Feige's already mentioned that uh, Agents of Shield really isn't connected to this universe, but this, the Darkhold reveal, kind of like cements that. Yes. Yeah. It just says screw you guys. So. 
which kind of sucks. You guys, there was some good worry, stuff there. But don't worry. We've got a multiverse concept coming in the next, like, 18 months, and yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will still really happen at that stage of the game. Okay, one last little tease up or tee up before we get going on this uh, for Dave again and possibly Greg. Uh, because we get the, the actual Book of the Damned, we get the Darkhold. Does this mean, oh, God, I'm going down that rabbit hole again. Do we get another possible huge villain coming in Doctor Strange? The one who actually created the book? I, I think that's what they're going for with the with as the the big bad now in in mm-hmm. multiverse of madness. It will be what Catholo or whatever, not Cthulhu. It's Cathal or Cthulhu. I think. Plagius. Plagius. Yeah. Isn't but that I, who, I still? Go ahead, Nico. Sorry. I was gonna say, isn't that the one who created Wanda or forged her? Like the, 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 the chaos Our, magic. Chaos magic. Yeah. yeah. And I still think she's going to take another turn for the bad. I mean, obviously, she's an Omega-level mutant who Uh perhaps can outstrip the Sorcerer Supreme, right? She has the ability to rewrite the entire fabric of the universe and create new pocket universes however she likes. And I know we were waiting waiting for, like, House of M or or anti-House of M, but I still think that's actually coming. And my prediction is she's going to say no more superheroes. And we may actually see a Marvel movie that that strips every one of their Marvel existence and places them in that world. I mean, that's how powerful she is. Chris, I only want to agree with you if Ralph Boner becomes the main superstar in this. That's (laughs) president of the United States, Ralph Boner. We've done it before. We can do it again. Boner. All right, Wanda, uh, Agatha begins to, uh, well, Wanda begins to sort of question, like, I, I'm, I'm not doing anything bad here. And Agatha says, oh, oh, Agatha says, oh, yeah? And she begins to free the townspeople of their stupor. Um, Wanda finally realizes that she's been causing everyone pain. And before this, I don't think that she realized that, right? Or that or she was in denial. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's grief, man. It's a story about grief and loss. Right. When you're yeah, when you're grieving, you're not focusing on other people, and you don't realize the impact your your grief and your expression of grief is having on people around you. Yeah, yeah but you guys have brought this up about it's all about Wanda, Greg. Certainly, I love that this this show kind of represents or visually shows us what is it the five stages of grief that Wanda's experiencing, and mm. denial is one of those. And it's interesting to see those moments happen on screen the way they're done. So. Really fun. So she starts to break down the hex, Wanda does, and this is while vision and vision versus vision is happening up in the sky. Um, and so right away, you know, you were thinking, oh, uh, pseudo vision is going to start to come apart, you know, when she breaks down the hex. Um, she sees that, she puts it back together, and then the family is together finally. Uh, with Vision and the boys and Wanda. Um, they're about to do battle with the military. And Wanda says, or, or sorry, Vision says, your mother and I never prepared you for this. And she says, but you were born for it. Did Wanda imbue the kids with power knowing that they would need to help defend Westview eventually? I, I love no. that moment. So, so again, it's the exact same time as Agatha is telling her, quote, Heroes don't torture people, right? And that brings Wanda back to reality of what she's been doing. Vision is fighting in the sky. And I think his exact phrase to 
um, anti-vision or whatever we're going to call him is anti-vision says you must be destroyed. And that vision says, I know that. So our vision knows he has to go away. And what I liked about that moment, which is, but you were born for this. I think this sets up the entire Marvel mutant universe that this ends with her on a walk of shame through all those people of Westview, all of them looking at her with fear and anxiety. She has tortured them. They are terrified of her. And that's what the role of mutants have in the Marvel universe. So I think it sets her up as that. I mean, she she is. Heroes don't torture people, but she has. And that's her power. That's her ability. So so I think that's, again, back to that, that level of emotion and grief of what we're capable of when we're, we're pushed that far. Scott, jump in. Yeah, two things. Uh, so just to clear, I'm not going to – I actually liked what Chris was saying there, but two things – I think I've come to an agreement on what we can call them. It's milk toast vision. Ah. Um, <laughs> and is is it just me, or when I was watching this episode, every time Vision landed, or even the moment when the family gets together, the first moment, it's almost like the Incredibles, where they oh, all are it, in. A, it it is the Incredibles, Scott. Okay, it is one hundred percent. Did anyone else like Mortal Kombat video games wanted to see a little side character pop up, but instead of whatever it was in those, have actual Deadpool say something like "superhero landing" and then pop out of the screen? <laughs> I was dying every time that happened. I, I can we can we out. please put Dave Grohl hair on on Milk Toast Vision? That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to call out the special effects really quick. There's a there's a shot where the family is standing in the middle of the square. And uh, Milktoast Vision is flying at them from behind. And um, Faux Vision, in, in one shot, spins around and flies up. And it's just such a great digital effect. Um, I watched it a few times on, on my second viewing, and I, I really love what they're doing with uh, what they're able to do now just for television show. It's just incredible. Yeah. Really good. Also, I like uh, how we've had a different name for this vision body character every single time that we've talked about it in this show. <laughs> what do you mean? Vision he's, de Blanc is <laughs> MT he's MTV. He's milk toast vision. <laughs> it's That's catchy, great. right? Um, one of his final lines, he asked the question, what am I? We don't know what the hell he is, right? He's become everything. <laughs> All right. So asshole by the by this time, asshole Hayward is on the uh, on the scene and he tries to shoot the kids, but Monica Rambo jumps in front and, and uses her body. She's like secret service agent for the kids and, and slows the bullets down. What exactly is her power? Like we haven't really seen that yes. yet. So what can she do? What can that's, she not do, Steve? Yeah, that's not a power I'm immediately familiar with, uh, Captain Marvel having in the comics, but it was pretty cool to watch. Well, is so, she Captain Marvel or is she the what's the other one? The power the well, there's photon. photon and then she's also spectrum. So this spectrum. to me I think that's a spectrum. Yeah, this to me felt more like spectrum powers, right, Dave? Like, or, or Nico? Like, she can control like light or something like any, that, or any any energy that she's any. familiar with. Okay. So I think because in the very beginning, when we've got um, Doctor Darcy and they're kind of going down the chopping list of the different like spectrums of energy that are out there in the hex. You know, I think, you know, there's gamma, there's, you know, this light wave, there's, you know, microwaves, there's this TV, you know, energy coming off of it. I think that kind of sets up that um, this is spectrum. 
And, you know, they talk about how she's gone back and forth through the barrier of the hex multiple times, and that's changed her body. Um, and, and Spectrum, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave Scott Gregg, she is she can control any power, like any energy that she's familiar with. Anything on the electromagnetic spectrum. Yes. Is yes. it electromagnetic? I'm gonna claim, or cause yeah, I'm going to claim ignorance, and I only remember the Monica Rambo character from the comics as Captain Marvel. That's the last yeah. time I remember. Yeah. Okay, I, we need to break down the vision versus vision conversation that happens in the library. We need to talk about this. This is important stuff here. So, uh, vision is... What are we calling them? I don't know. Vision de Blanc. <laughs> and then colorized white, vision. Milktoast, white, man. It's called MTV. It, he's MTV. He's Milktoast Vision. All right. Uh, the faux vision asks MTV, why are you doing this? He says, my programming directive is to destroy the vision. And he says, the, the faux vision says, I'm not the true vision, only conditional vision. We referred to this earlier in the show. Uh, I And uh, Milktoast Vision, I request elaboration. And the conversation begins about the ship of Theseus. 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 Theseus, thank you. The ship of Theseus in the field of identity metaphysics. And they have this conversation to determine who is, is one of them actually the real vision? MTV acknowledges neither are the true ship. Both are the true ship. And they agree. Uh, White Vision says, I don't have the Mind Stone. Color Vision says, I don't have a single ounce of original material. And they're having this conversation that escalates to the color vision saying, you've got the data and the memories, they're just hidden from you. And color vision touches white vision's head and sort of like reactivates those memories. It's called a flash were, drive. That were dormant <laughs> in MTV's head. Yes. So I, I think there were two things happening. I think there were parts that he was able to access milk toast vision because he, when he tells him that, he does start to go into what looks like a computing mode, and he, he starts to figure out what Hayward was programming in him. Then Vision allows him the memories by transferring over to his stone or whatever's in his head there. And that's where I think this is going to take Vision to a whole new level uh, down the road into, into other series and the movies. So I don't think we've seen the last of him. Obviously, he takes off after this. But... Right. But, um, but now he, Vision is like Schrodinger's cat, right? right? We have to open the box to find out if he's alive or dead. Right. Well, and the last thing he says before flying away, he says, I am Vision. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, so I, I think so this is what happened. does he go and destroy himself because he's programmed to destroy Vision? This is what happens. I have students ask me all the time, what am I going to do with a degree in English? And this is what you do with a degree in English. They are using... <laughs> A, a, a Greek philosopher Plutarch to set up this concept of, of, of Theseus's ship. Like, what are we as humans? Like, are we the sum of who we are now? Are we the sum of our like our entire collective of humanity? The stories we tell, the experiences we have, the memories we have. And what I love about this is is we're looking at this through vision, through an android. As I said earlier, I think he is almost like the pinnacle of humanity, despite the fact that he has no humanity, right? She comes back, that last speech, which was so well-written, where she's having the conversation before he disappears, they really go into that. So I, I love this ship of Theseus idea of what are we as humans, right? And we're, we're not, you know, 75 years on the planet. We're a collective, you know, embracement of all the stories that we tell. That's why we're here, right? Yeah. You know, 
Well, that's, I saw this. I'm going to steal this from somebody else. I don't remember who it was, but they actually do a great breakdown on this, Chris. Even as humans, every seven years or so, seven to ten years, our own cells, eventually all parts of us start to die off and are regenerated. So how much of us really exists other than memories and what we know as humanity? But here's a great moment where vision versus vision have this breakdown of who's the real vision by telling this the story, which is fantastic because it really is the two of them. They're embodied in two different ways, but the same thing. And I just love that. I love how that happened. And this was so much better than the CG fight that was going on. This is the moment. This is a mind battle that's happening. Like when he takes off, it leaves us with a question. Okay, Nico, you brought that up. Did he fly off to kill the vision? Because that was his direct uh, programming. Well, and I that mean, would be- I think no. Because You're if right. he was gonna if he was gonna do that, he was in the epicenter of where all the bad things were happening. Why wouldn't he have just self destructed and like nuked the hex and the whole point they were trying to right. get to um Wanda, why wouldn't he just blow himself up and kill Wanda and keep it quarantined in the hex? I think he would have just done that. And I, I think what happens also, I agree with you, and I think when he takes off, a lot of people were speculating that. I think what's happening is when he transfers uh, the vision we know, Wanda's vision, transfers over what I think is our memories or parts of him into Milktoast's vision, he takes off to go actually learn who he is. Like he realizes, I can't kill this vision. I can't kill myself. There's something more here. I wasn't told everything. And that's I mean, that's a lot more than what we saw, but he takes off to go find Vision, basically. I am Vision, but I need to find Vision. Which and is I, exactly what Wanda does at the end. Yeah. yeah. I want right. to credit, credit the writers here, too, for resolving this conflict without two guys punching each other in the face repeatedly. So, oh. mm. Well, and, and isn't that the strength <laughs> of the Marvel Universe, though? The, 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 it's not the action that draws us in. I mean, that's the fun part of going to the movies, but it's it's the human moments that that help us understand ourselves in the eyes of, of these superheroes who we sometimes wish we could be, or, you know, that we could be imbued with some of these powers, but ultimately even the superheroes have these failings. And so I think it's just great to, to exactly what you said, Greg, we, we resolved this. We came to an understanding of who vision is without them having to destroy each other or, or punch each other out. Or there's a little action there for fun, but yeah. That's yeah. not the core of why we're drawn to this show. And, and, Steve, and Steve, Steve, doesn't this perfectly set us up then for the conversation I know you want to have, which is the the Ten Hauser Gate, right? The Blade Runner reference. <laughs> oh yeah, that's and a so, huge one. So I mean, <laughs> the film Blade Runner with all the action sets us up for that last Roy Batty speech. That's so freaking good. It's the best thing in sci-fi I've ever seen. And it's again back to exactly what Greg says. It's all resolved. The punching has been done. Now it's the human connection, emotion, and the conversation that makes that film work. And it's, my, I think, my all-time favorite sci-fi film. As Which the also... hex is pulling back, as the hex is pulling back really quick, just the reference to the Tannhauser Gate. As the hex is pulling back, we see the marquee on the movie theater that says Tannhauser Gate. I think we put the fun and dysfunctional or something like that. And uh, this, is, this is the moment, Steve, where you play the clip from Blade Runner. <laughs> I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. <laughs> Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of a lion. 
I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the ten hours of gate. Uh, so, in the last ten minutes here, Scott, uh, go ahead, go ahead, Scott. I was just going to say uh, to Chris's point, um, one the reference to Tannhauser Gate also showed up in another episode. It was on the marquee before, but I like that it's prominent now. And then you do you're talking about Roy Batty, who is an android who's losing his humanity, and that that's his final moment. And I I love those connections they put into this show. I think that was just a, a fabulous way of of showing these little hidden things here and there. Yeah. So Wanda mind tricks Agnes into transforming the rooftop back into the witch burning scene from Salem, Massachusetts in 1693. The, the sort of zombie witches that were killed by Agnes before turn on Wanda. The scene then jumps to them fighting it out in the sky. Um, and with, with Wanda giving all of her power to Agnes only to trick Agnes into thinking she has the power because it turns out they're amidst the runes that that Wanda has set the trap uh, for Agnes to fall right into. And she reminds her only the witch that cast the runes can use her magic in a given space. And we learn that's the rules of magic as we learned last episode, right? Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, coming down to the end here. Uh, Finally, the family is reunited. Wanda has the power. She is. She becomes the Scarlet Witch. And, the, and the, the visual of her becoming the Scarlet Witch is very reminiscent of her vision when she touched the Mind Stone in the previous episode. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's now confirmed. I think we can say that she was seeing yeah. her future self, the power that she will become. Yes, and to answer a question you asked a couple episodes, Steve, uh, in the original flashback Salem Witch Trials thing where the head of the coven had the little magical headdress appear. Right. They were setting up that happening for the Scarlet Witch. Yes, yes. Our family is reunited. We've got Wanda. We've got colorized Vision. We've got the boys. Vision says, I know you'll set everything right, just not for us. Should we head home? They see the hex shrinking as the family returns home. Wanda and Vision uh, put the boys to sleep as they, they continue to see the hex boundary closing in outside. Vision says, your mother and I are very proud of you both. Wanda says, a family is forever. We couldn't leave each other even if we tried. They leave the room. But not before she says, thank you for choosing me to be your mom. Yes. Which is an interesting line, and I wonder if they're setting something up for later. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was not crying. My, my eyes were sweating maybe a little bit. Wow. That was, so that was a great one. WandaVision, something that makes Steve cry. Field of Dreams, something that makes Steve cry. Just making a list over here. <laughs> e eating a bagel makes Steve cry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a good bagel. I mean, uh, Briefly, we see the theater marquee revealed in that in that uh, in that moment of the hex being drawn back. We see Tannhauser Gate. Then we get the moment with Vision and Wanda that I think Scott was alluding to earlier. He says, uh, "It's bad luck to say goodbye in the dark." She says, "No, you didn't read that." Vision says, "Perhaps I just wanted to see you clearly, and there you are." Some some just wonderful romantic expressive dialogue here. Um, you are my sadness. You are my hope. She tells him but mostly you're my love. Great, great, great stuff. And um, the hex comes all the way to the center. The hex is gone. And 
she is in the middle of the foundation of the home that Vision had initially purchased for them to build a home together. Amazing. Did, did anybody else, like, hope and wish and dream that the Hex was going to just stop at the walls of the house and this was going to be, like, a little Wanda pocket and the boys and Vision were going to stay there and she would, like, go and visit them and then leave and they couldn't leave the house, but they were going to be there? Anybody else? Just me. You know, that's kind of because Agnes is, you know, trapped in her television show persona. So she's going to stay in Westview as that character. And so it's still there. Is is she, though? Because there's one there's one question that hasn't been answered. Well, there's more than one question, but one pertinent to that. Who's the bunny? Who's Senior Scratchy? Yeah. Because Agatha refers to them as a we. Maybe it's a familiar. Maybe it's some living person who was just looking like a rabbit at that point. And if that's the case, he's unaccounted for and running around. And perhaps uh, Senior Scratchy can release Agnes. I mean, just like when you park a car and turn the alarm on, if you have the keys, anybody can take the car. That's that's Maybe he's Ralph Boner's next dinner. (laughs) (laughs) I I felt the same way because once Wanda tricks her or, or... everything turns out the way it was and she puts her into that that moment greg then if everything inside the hex disappears and goes back to what it was does that uh, affect agatha because if it goes away i think doesn't that agatha's mean... in her own spell separate and distinct from the hex okay but that makes it even more brutal mm-hmm. right i mean yeah. we saw all the townspeople of, of westview how tortured they were so yeah. she's leaving her in that constant torture, and 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 Nico, I thought the same thing. Like, why not create your own little bubble of of of, of escape? But I mean, we sort of need Wanda to go on and move beyond that, or she's always perpetually stuck in that, you know, cycle of grief. So how does she break away from it? But but I thought the same thing, Nico. Like that's the logical thing to do, but she has to leave, just like um, Dave Grohl Vision had to leave. <laughs> so one thing I want to point out, just because one of my our eagle-eyed listeners, who's a coworker of mine, spotted this. Uh, one red herring character, of course, was the Emma Caulfield character, uh, Dottie. Uh, her real name, as it turns out, is Sarah Proctor. Yeah, that's her real townsperson name. Sarah Proctor was a witch that was put on trial in the Salem witch trials in 1623. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. So who didn't die. She wasn't burned at the stake. It was actually right. her husband who was burned for allowing her to be, to be a witch. Yes, and that story is the subject of the Arthur Miller play, The Crucible. That's just for you, Chris. <laughs> I have even more of, of, of witchcraft if, if you guys will let me go there for a second. Well, no. we're, we're, run, really we're running short on time, and we have two posts, and we have two posts, uh, posts credit scenes to get through. Yeah, Mine comes in, in the second post-credit scene. All right. So first post-credit scene, we've got Monica Rambo. Wu is delegating. Uh, Monica says, authority looks good on you, Jimmy. Rambo is pulled into a theater. Actually, the theater with the Townhauser Gate marquee, which may be significant. I'll let you guys tell me. Um, the, the person that pulls her in says, I was sent by an old friend of your mother's. And she changes into... A scroll. A, oh, I almost said krill. Okay. <laughs> that's a scroll. <laughs> that's, I think that's, that's why we jumped into billing out, Steve. That's what whales Thank eat. you, Steve. There we go. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> um, he'd like to meet with you. Where, she says. 
and she points up to space. So we know where Monica's heading. Yes, and yeah. we are. I am ninety nine percent sure the old friend is Nick Fury. Yeah, yeah, that's got to that make sense. Nick Fury is living in space, and does right make now. me wonder exactly yeah. how many scrolls are running around on, on planet Earth. Earth right now, yeah, looking like humans. That's probably part of the Secret Invasion series that'll be coming up. And we did probably some... is, but it's 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 a nice little chilling foreshadow. Like, wait a minute, how many of these people are people? It, honestly, and I'll just, go through. Just, I was, I was okay, just so everybody remembers, we did see Nick Fury last in space on the scroll ship at the end of Spider-Man: Far From Home. So yes, he's in space. I don't think it's a scroll ship. I think it's the the sword base, right? Isn't it sword base? That's we, in space. Knows. It could be either. Okay. It's manned by scrolls. That's all I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so real quick on that, just hang on. Never mind. Just move on. All right. Postscript number two. We see we find Wanda alone in a cabin, just enjoying morning coffee on the on the porch. Um, but we enter the cabin. We follow the camera follows her in as she uh, pulls the teapot off the fire, and we find in the back room the real Scarlet Witch, who is reading up on dark magic. It's an astral projection. This is a this is a Doctor Strange reference. And in case there's any doubt about it, uh, in the Doctor Strange movie, Stephen Strange has his physical body off doing things, and his astral form is reading books from the library, learning magic. Wanda's doing the same thing here, and if there's any doubt, the music cue is an homage to the Doctor Strange music cue that plays in that movie while Stephen Strange is doing it. It's just tweaked and darkened a little bit. Great, great pull, Dave. And she hears her astral projection self, hears cries for help from her boys, and then cut scene to the final credits. So, Chris, you wanted to jump on here and uh, in here on some witchcraft. First, one of the first things I noticed was this, and this is for me having stood in this very spot. Another great Easter egg. When it starts off first at the end of that lock and then moves to her cabin, if you guys look at it closely, that is actually the same spot where they film Dumbledore's grave in Harry Potter. And I, I took my kids to that very, very spot. So they connect back to another great wizard as well, too. And if you go way back, so then it shoots to her cabin and she's doing all of that. But remember, she and Vision fled the Avengers to Scotland, right, to, to sort of be human, to be together. And so when we saw that in the first uh, Avengers Endgame... That's where their life together was. So she's returned back to Scotland. So, Nico, what you were saying, she's taken herself back to the place where she was the happiest uh, in some form of Scotland, you know, some some you know highlands of Scotland. And that's where she's doing all of her work and business at this point, which I thought was really interesting. Plus, Harry Potter fan, I love the sort of the reference. And it's the exact location. I sent Steve the picture this morning. Awesome. That is amazing. Well, so and, cool and, when they tie things together like that. I love that. And and, Marv, and to, to tie it back to Marvel, is there any doubt that for, for Scott and, and Dave and Chris probably too, uh, Wondegore, right? Yeah. Getting so, nodding heads. Wondegore is where Wanda really honed her powers as a Scarlet Witch and she was raised by a magical cow. So I'm hoping we see magical cows at some point. <laughs> Greg's not actually making that up. <laughs> wow. Didn't we see an ad for the magical cow's milk yep. in the grocery store in like episode two? Yep. Yeah, Bova. 
And isn't her mom Magda like this powerful whiz, you know, witch as well too, right? So her father is <clears throat> Magneto, and her mother is this powerful. That's all been that's all been retconned now. Wanda, just... Wanda Maximoff has had like four or five different parents, depending on who the comic writer is, and her parents are no longer Magneto. Ah. I was distressed to discover that myself. <laughs> well, I'm a little bit distressed to think about that this is the end of, of WandaVision. I, I have really enjoyed this show. It's been so fun to learn uh, from you guys every week to really expand my uh, horizons and my understanding about the Marvel Universe. And so I just honestly, thanks a lot, guys. This has been really fun for me to, to be on here with you every Saturday morning. We've enjoyed it, too, and I hope that the writers and Elizabeth Olsen in particular get some Emmy love later this year for this show because they deserve it. And anytime she wants to come on this show and talk about it, you are welcome to come on. (laughs) Or or anytime Lisa wants to put on that costume for Halloween, Steve, she is also welcome to do that, right? We have to wait till Halloween? Let's. (laughs) I mean, it is a Saturday. Never. Uh, Guys, this has been so much fun. Thanks so much. We are hoping to do one final episode of WandaVision to recap the entire series. We hope to have some special guests join the show for that. Until then, thanks so much for joining us. You know, we've said goodbye before, so it stands to reason we'll say hello again. Guys, have a great weekend. Bye, guys. And uh, may the Force be with us all. 